we're here again, ladies and gentlemen. It's grand final week, and we're doing a yet another show, which is just remarkable stuff. Such a joy to be here after such a fantastic win on the weekend against Port Adelaide. CB and Tig71, welcome, fellas. Hey, g'day, guys. Great final week. Hope you're all enjoying it. Good, good afternoon, everybody. How are we? It's uh, it's a pretty good story, isn't it, making the grand final? I know we're talking a little bit about it off air, but even for Geelong as well, in terms of having two Victorian-based clubs make it grand final, defying pretty big odds, let's be honest. I know people are going to say, if, if their two teams aren't in it, realistically, they're going to say it's an asterisk flag. But reality is, it's going to be one of the hardest flags to ever win because of all the obstacles thrown up. And for both teams to make it, being in a hub for over 100 days, I know we didn't have one genuine home game at all for the entire year. I think Geelong had a couple. Um, it's just mind-blowing, isn't it, that we've made it? Well, my point is this on, on this season. It's debunked the home ground mystery, if you, if you ask me. So all those people who um, bought into the narratives of Kane Corns over the last two years or any other hack journalist from the AFL or what have you that, that pushed this agenda, might have been McClure, whoever, the people who got sucked in, they're just sheeple. They are mindless dolts. Yes, I use that word, dolts, right? <laughs> and honestly, it just shows you that the best teams, the cream always rises to the top, and the best teams will always be there at the end of the year. So um, to all you people that got sucked in with this, oh, Richmond home ground, oh, Apparently, Geelong's got a home ground advantage of their boutique stadium. Well, how is it two teams have gone over 100 days playing everywhere but home and made the grand final? It just debunks all those bullshit arguments. You know what it is now? It's the weather, apparently. The weather gods are on our side, and that's why we've made it as far as we have. I nearly fell off my chair when I read that today. Look, for me, and my thoughts were pretty um, transparent on this, even from the beginning of the year when the COVID thing all happened, and we had our hubs. I've always believed that the ladder was inflated based on um, home ground advantage, that the sides that it was, look, Port and um, Brisbane, um, West Coast and Adelaide, but they had an horrendous year, Adelaide, um, all won games that they normally wouldn't have because solely they were playing at home and playing against teams on four-day breaks, travelling into their home state, being locked up in quarantine or a hub and so on and so forth. So... Um, I think finals just sort of showed, you know, um, when the pedal for the medal um, went down, those teams couldn't go with us. And I still, in this tinfoil hat, I sneakily believe that Hardwick, um, and I said it after the Brisbane game, I reckon Hardwick didn't coach to lose, but when they were running Grimes up and all that sort of um, shenanigans, he didn't even bother matching it because I think secretly he wanted to have that extra game. Um to get into Prestia, to Asprey and you know, all the other ones that have come in, and it's worked well. Um, but, yeah, no, the Nuffies will always say Nuffy things, mate. We, it, just ignore them. It's definitely worked out well. I, I still firmly believe this is the best path we could have taken to get oh, to yeah. it. If we had have limped over the line against the Brisbane Lions playing as bad as we did and then had 20-odd days off or whatever it was, we would have got smashed in that prelim final. I've got no yeah. doubt about it. Not having that form line behind you, um, you lose that you know that fitness base from the Prestia, Edwards, Asprey. So, yeah, to keep the ball rolling, to give ourselves a chance to correct course um, and get our game back on track was absolutely the best thing possible. Well, the one thing about Richmond is we're a team that um, we actually get... The, the more we play, the better we are. Richmond doesn't seem to be a team that does stop-start well. Richmond seems to be a team that plays better when we just keep playing, if that makes sense. Yep. So, and yeah. So, so maybe, maybe here's the new article for Mitch Cleary or whoever, or maybe Damian Barrett, who's a superstar. Um Maybe we just got lucky 
because we lost a game. And it, it come at a good time. Like <laughs> That's why you get the double chance, because I think we were on a streak of six or seven at the time. And I think I said it a few weeks ago that it sounds a bit more difficult to win nine in a row to get a flag than it does to win three in a row. So we're now aiming for our third win in a row, and hopefully if we can uh, jag one this week. But we'll touch on the, the Port game quickly. So Richmond 6-10-46 defeated Port Adelaide 6-4-40 by six points. I felt like there were times in the game where we were one or two goals away, consecutive goals away from breaking it open. I don't know if you guys got the same vibe when we were doing the live show, but and to Port's credit, they held on and pegged it back and it was a, a bit of a seesaw battle. So they, they threw everything at us and fair play to them. But yeah, I felt we, we almost cracked them, but um, good to get the win nonetheless. Well, we had 16 more scoring shots, didn't we? Uh, so yeah, we, we, six, more. six more. Six more. So yeah, yeah, six, six more. more. Six more shots, scoring shots than them. So... What you're saying is actually true. We had to just convert a couple more. You know what I mean? And but, I mean, yeah. it put comes down to conditions and pressure and all that kind of stuff as well. But uh, yeah, I think I think Lambert missed one or Bolton. There was a couple late in the game. You're like, oh, geez, pretty close to just busting it wide open. Um, the most impressive thing from that game for me though was our, <laughs> our clearance work, which has been a, an obvious weak point for us for years now. Not not just months, but years. Uh, we got smashed in that last time by them, but to turn it around, we lost the hitouts 45 to 23, but won the clearances 29 to 41 CB. That is a huge turnaround and a, clearly a big factor that we've worked on, and that's a large part of the reason why we won the game. Well, it is, but I, I challenge any team. We, when we last played them, we had Cochin out, uh, Jack Graham was out, Dion Presti was out, Shane Edwards out, and Toby Nankervis was out. Well, uh, they're, they're, not really, they're not really well-known players. That that wouldn't have made too much of a difference, according to some people. Well, he's not. Hey, hey, <laughs> Trent Cotchin's no motlop. We know that, right? <laughs> <laughs> but all I'm saying is you put you put those guys in and you are automatically a, a superior team. And and this is the thing. when Again, people read so much into these bullshit narratives through the course of a year. We put those guys in and finally get the band back together in the first final. And even though we lost to Brisbane, we belted them. Um, we we beat we held St Kilda to arm's length, belted them, and then we just come up against the biggest bodied midfield in the AFL. Do we agree on that? Biggest bodies, yeah. They're probably yeah. Well, I'll, Port usually bully us, so yeah, I'll agree yeah. with that. Yeah, so we come against the biggest thing, and we 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 clipped them, and we clipped them hard. With and they had two big ruckmen too. You know, Nank was doing the work of two men. So um, no, no, no. It just goes to show you, mate. Class is permanent, and it's amazing what happens when you, when we get our midfield back on the park. Yeah, my thoughts on the game. Um, I liked I liked a couple of things. First of all, if I hear one other media person or anyone on a forum type down or a media person say, or even one of my mates tell me this, that we have role players and they're good, handy role players, I'll fair income spew, right? Because in, in the players that we have, let's talk about Daniel Rioli. People call him a role player. He, if he did not play, um, I would have put him in the top four. Um, of players on the ground in relation to his effect, his ability to defend the ground, his ability to create um, scoring opportunities. Um, and when the game was at its most hottest, you know, that last seven minutes of the fourth quarter, he stood up. You know, ditto Broad, ditto um, Camden McIntosh. These, if people are deluded enough to think Camden McIntosh wouldn't walk in at any other 22, um, they don't know football. Um 
So that was good to see. That was good to see all the, um, I hate using the term lesser lights, but they're not role players. They're Phoenix and starting 22 players in a premiership, in a multiple premiership winning team. So hopefully as hopefully we win the grand final and we, again, you know, give it a real good shake next year and they start to get the credit that they do. But what I liked was our disciplined aggression. It was a game that if it had been Richmond, um, from three or four weeks ago, we would have knocked people's heads off because it was that type of game that Port wanted a fight. Um, there was a few, you know, shoves in the face. They did two head-high hits. Jack cop one, um, and I forgot who else cop one, but they didn't even get paid a free. Um, um, you know, asking to get retaliate, get a bit of retaliation, and we didn't, we didn't get sucked into that game. We just went low at the footy for longer. Um, but look, for me, there's two players that. After watching that game many times, and I watched it again this afternoon, and it was just just made me so happy. Obviously, Bolter absolutely played a mature performance, destroyed Dixon. When he got switched to the forward line, he was effective. His mobility around the ground is, as he gets older and gets more of a tank, it's going to even be more elite. Uh, and I'm just so um, – I'm like a proud dad watching him play. He's just so – he impresses me every time, every game that he's playing with us now, and I can't wait to see him. He screams to me grand final type player. Um, some of the freakish stuff he's going to do. So that's going that's, that's something to really look forward to. And then Curvis, the big ruck, right? Oh, how good was he? Oh, some people during the year wanted him – we're calling him an average ruck. Um, you know, oh, we should trade him. Um, all this sort of stuff. And he's sh- he shown, obviously, at the start of the finals and when he got back. But for a ruck, and before I go on an end, credit to Cardwick, um, managing his game time, particularly when we had only the one ruck. He managed him to only put him on the ground. You'd think he'd be on the ground 90% of the time. But I think I wrote down, um, uh, Michael's 69% game time. So that was brave coaching, you know. Because there's, you know, 21 minutes, is 21% of the game is not on the ground. Um, and when he got on, he had immediate impact. And you get 10 tackles, um, as well as his intercept marks. Um, and particularly, too, when the game was... Because that's a slog of a game, right? That's going to make bigger boys um, start to slow down. You saw Latham slow down. You saw Likert slow down. You, you saw Dixon had nothing left. And there was Nan Curvis, mate, just working up and down, up and down, and making sure he's always plugging the hole and then making sure that he's, he's a link in the wing. So, no, brilliant game by him. Best game in Richmond Colours, and I even include his... He, um, he said some cracking games, but I even include the, the game um, against Port better than his grand final game um, in 2007, um, 2017. Um, it was great. And he's and, also and, signed a contract extension, I think, three years, for was it? Yeah, never yep. in doubt. Never in doubt. Yep. So that's another one Mitch Cleary can cross off his list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. And, uh, and uh, the other thing as well about Nan Curvis, is, is it just me or does he seem to play better in the wet? He's clean. Oh, it's weird because oh. the game against Brisbane, he was, in the first half, he was pretty bad. Like, uh, missing a lot yeah. of targets and stuff. But uh, he, he's obviously redeemed himself because his marks were crisp as in the wet. Yeah, but I reckon, I reckon, not really though, CB. Like I get your point, but I think he plays. He's he plays great regardless of the conditions. I think his key is the more pressure that's on him, the better he performs. And you tend to get him a lot more pressure in wet games. If that makes any sense, yeah. So he tends to step up. But he's always been our in our top um, range of players in finals and grand finals. He's always played well. 
Um, if you look back from 2017, um, being COVID, I've got a bit of time on my hands. So I have a bit of a look-see of last year's final series. And, mate, it's like he hits a switch and he's impressive. Nah, very impressive. And you know what's best? The best part of it all is only 23. Is he, so, is that, what, is that yeah, right? What we're, seeing, what we're seeing is the worst of Nankervis, right? People got to understand this. We're seeing the worst Nankervis can offer. We're seeing the worst Bolter can offer because they don't even get into their game till about 25, 26, right? So, mate, we've got a really bright future, really bright future. Got to wear shades. Got to wear shades. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, no, get, get the dirty dog sponsor back. Oh, particularly after some of the news I've heard. No, we've got to, yeah, definitely got to wear shades. It's looking, mate, we're going to, people can all be going about Cameron and Geelong and getting sucked into the narration. Just watch, you know, what's that Chinese movie, Crouching Tiger, Hidden dragon. Tiger, whatever it is. <laughs> crouching Tiger, the dragon. dragon. Yeah, yeah stuff the dragon. It's Crouching Tiger, mate. That's what we are. Uh, we'll well pounce out pretty strong. Yeah. Interesting clue. Um, yeah. The other one, I'm giving another big tick to Asprey in the ruck as yes, as right. working. Is that well, uh, the general consensus, CB? Absolutely. Well, well, like I said, the, the, the inclusion of Nathan, uh, Nathan, the inclusion, the including, uh, including. Jeez, I'm on fire tonight. I'm it. like a, Smoking you've, joint you've been, or something. You've been drinking, CB? You've been drinking, mate? Smoking. Don't drink and so, do a podcast, mate. Trust me. Yeah. Uh, look, Brody, Brody allows... It's funny, Broad's given us a lot more flexibility down the back and within the team through the middle, hadn't he? Um, 100%. So I find, so I find that the linking of Asprey and Broad, I think of those two together, if that makes sense. Broad yeah. is covering Asprey, and he pushes up the ground, which gives uh, Nank a break. Um, so, no, 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 Dave Asprey was fantastic. And can we just talk... Can, can I just switch off Asprey and talk about the one thing I really, really want to talk about? Yeah. Bolter destroying Dixon. Let me tell you, that was as big a bitching in a final as you've ever seen. Considering the build-up they had on Dixon, ooh, big Dixon, and he got destroyed by a dude who's played under 30 games. Um, you talk about wearing shades, man, when I think about Noah Bolter, I've got to wear shades thinking about that bloke. Hey. And you know what, Bolt? Sorry, Michaels. You know what Bolter does really well. That's going to be very hard for umpires to penalise him. He blocks with his chest, right? So if the if the forwards in front of him, he will push him out, but use his chest. He doesn't use his arms, and he's that big a, of a dude. He pushes. He, he doesn't like throw them out, but he creates enough space, and it pushes the um. And Dixon was getting um, uh, pushed way under the ball, and the umpires couldn't ping him because. You know what Bolter's doing while his chest is pumping him out? He's taking the mark. So yeah, it's well, not that's... like he's do- doing two actions or anything. He's just chest pumping him and grabbing the monk, all it mark in all one fluid motion. So that's brilliant. That's a brilliant technique. And I, I wonder how much is that his natural game or credit from Lepper? Lepper bought that in with Rance. And you remember Rance became very good at that? So it's just that's just the uh, teacher and pupil stuff, isn't it? He did mm. taught it with uh, Rance. And now he's passed on to Bolter because Bolter's yeah. actually got the size to execute that type of one-on-one gamesmanship. You know, That's great. CB, on the live show, you put out a request to the listeners for a, <laughs> a, a picture to be doctored up of Bolter and then oh, putting that was Charlie Dixon's head on a dog. Were you happy with the outcome? <laughs> Shadowthorn did that one, didn't he? I, I, I actually don't know where it, I just saw it on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I forgot it wrong on Bigfooty. I, I, I sincerely apologise, but I believe 
Shout out to someone who did that to me. Gave that to me within about 12 hours. And that thing went viral. It was so good. So thank you. Um, that's probably my best tweet of the year, I think. <laughs> uh, it was very on point. I, I did enjoy that. I talk about great tweets, though, mate. One that had me laughing probably more than I should. I retweeted it. Was, you know how you had the arrow, Dursma or whatever, giving it to Lynch and stuff, and then he oh. drops the ball. <laughs> In his forward pocket because um, he heard he heard footsteps, right? You could tell. No one's around him, but he 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 went in the fetal position in the air, knowing he was going to get hit or thinking. So the ball goes between his arms, and someone transformed transformed the ball into a premiership cup. And yeah, that was just gold. That was just gold. If you haven't seen it, Michael, I'll have to try and tag, find it, tag you in it. it. Yeah, it was just it's it's a thing of beauty. I agree. That was a thing of beauty. That thing. That was great. Love people sh- who were cluey with that stuff. So good. And surely Michael's seen it because I retweeted it. Yeah, no, surely read my tweets. No, you read my tweets. I hundred percent. Good, saw it. good answer. Had good a good answer. Tru- had a good chuckle at it. I, I always enjoy <laughs> subtle digs at players because I had a crack at Dersma in the in the live broadcast, as people seemed happy about. Um, all right, we'll push on. It's a bit of a bloodbath with a bit of a difference because CB is going positive, and me and Tiggs are probably sticking more traditional, but not going too hard. But just a few things I need. I felt needed to be pointed out. So. Maybe we'll go first and see where you can bring us home on the positivity front so we can end on a good note. Um, my one, I want to just speak about the Brownlow, not so much the overall medal because that was always going to be Lockie Neal and well done to him. Um, but the mark of the year for Sam Walsh. Now, for those who watched it, he, he ran sideways across a pack, jumped into it, got a bit of contact and, t- and took a chest mark. Nice grab. Uh Hundred percent not mark of the year worthy. Nick Voston takes two of those a week, and the worst part for the AFL was, in the highlights packages that followed for the next ten rounds, they were showing marks that were clearly better than Walsh's mark. So it just felt like an encouragement award, um, and had no substance to it whatsoever. And I think the same could almost be said for the goal of the year too. So, and the other one I want to have a shot at is the Port Adelaide clown who threw his drink all over Tom Lynch. Um, that's just. Like, no matter what happens in a footy match, whether you hate the team or not, that's just a shit thing to do. And credit to Port and the AFL, they've actually suspended his membership for two years, so he won't be going to the footy any time soon. And then on the flip side to that, though, I do want to commend, I can't remember the guy's name, but the, the gentleman and his son who Lynch was talking to after the game, who, and his dad gave him just a really good lesson about that's, you know, it's okay to lose, that that's not how you go about handling it. Um, it was just a, a display of really good parenting and really good sportsmanship all around. Yeah, great. Yeah, well said. Uh, Tiggs, what did, did you have anything to add for the bloodbath before CB brings you want, home? You want CB to go, and then because we have a negative with a positive, and end it with a negative. Or do you want negative? Nah, neg- okay, you okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll end, with a, end with a positive. All right. Okay. Great. All right. Mine's uh, mine's not. Uh, there's a couple of ones that that really got on my chest, but the main one I talk about is all Australian side, right? And what of um, it flows on from what you said about, you know, these awards that they did at the Brownlow. A lot of it is, I think, AFL will pick out who they want to win regardless of the evidence, and it's more of an encouragement award. Like, seriously, Walsh won that. There's been many better marks. But, hey, you know, what's Colton going to win in the next couple of years? You know, so, you know, pat him on, give him a bit of encouragement. But the biggest one for me is um, All-Australian. Like, they had this picked this All-Australian side and ignored a lot of players. And I want to focus on the players that I love, which is Richmond once. Finals has a way of showing how stupid the All-Australian looks. Um, now, we had a in that heavily contested game, you had the All-Australian halfback, um, right? Now, you're an All-Australian halfback, so you'd think you'd be able to beat 
um, a non-Australian. Darcy Ben Jones for those. Yeah, who, Darcy Bench, who's in serious need of a decent haircut. Let's just put that put that <laughs> no, out. No, there. no, no, no. That's anything he's got going for. Oh, <laughs> you like that reverse mullet? Whatever he's wearing, no, he needs a haircut. Also, to straighten his hair. I don't know. That um, guy but, must have sex every night because of that haircut, mate. Oh, really? <laughs> <With himself. laughs> mate, mate, I don't think you can pull it off. His face is too small. But anyway, I'm going to digress. But you had him, right? Now, he's all Australian. He was chosen above the likes of um, Nick Vlosted. He was chosen above the likes of um, Dylan Grimes, right, as being a better player in 2020, right? That's what the All-Australian is. Now, and actually, if you... Follow the logic through. He was chosen as a... Um, no, Dustin Martin was an All-Australian. Okay. So he was pushed out, bullied, treated like... It looked like Dustin Martin was an adult. And he was a he was a, a primary school kid. That's generally in relation to the contests that they did. Um, and you flip that over and you look at Nick Vlosten, rarely beaten. He did that one stupid free kick to Laddams, rarely beaten. Um, on the night. I don't think he was beaten on the night. You had Dylan Grimes wasn't beaten on the night. Um, we closed their forwards. Their forwards were, they only had really one avenue to goal, either free kick or Dixon, right? So, um, and it just showed, it just highlights what a, you know, the Brisbane had how many All-Australians in their side? Outside of Neil, they looked like they were caught in headlights. Um, that's why, for me, All-Australians should be based on position. The best player of that position should be picked. And it should be not just based on one year. Um, I reckon personally it should be based on a body of work. Um, and um, you get, you know, it gives it a bit of integrity. So that was laughable to me. And what I wanted to say, so you beat, you stole my thunder about the, the coke being thrown on Lynch. But just to finish off real quick, how great was Lynch to go up to that little kid? Um, like you said, you know, that was, everyone calls him a thug. You had Andy Mayer say it was a dickhead award. He should be, he's a dickhead and he just proves everyone wrong. So, um, that was a good moment. Yeah, it was really nice. It was nice. All right. And Steve, are you going to bring us home with a, a positive twist? Well, the, the reality is guys, like the job's only half done. We've made it. But in reality, you look at all the stuff that we've discussed over the year in the bloodbath and all the things that annoyed <laughs> us, the things that people have said. And I mean, who's laughing now? In reality, you think of all the things we've discussed, who's laughing now? We are. So I guess um, what what we our club has shown to its culture and its strength and integrity that um, we are bigger than anything that these clowns and these hacks can throw at us anywhere. And um, I think it's it's uh, right now it's, it's still the best club in the land and it's a, it's a wonderful club. And guys, be proud of it. Don't take their shit. Do you Don't feel, ever take their shit. Firstly, I want to thank you for bringing the bloodbath segment to us this year, CB. It's been a great addition. Um, tacking on to what you said there, have you also had the feeling that it has been an us versus the rest of the world mentality? And not because we've generated it, but because the stories the media perpetuate week in, week out, headhunting us for all various kinds of things. And yes, some of the shit we did bring upon ourselves with Stack and CCJ and... Um, and likes, but a lot of it we didn't, and they're just finding reasons to target us. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, at, two weeks ago, Nan Curvis was in the possible going zone, you know, in a Mitch Cleary article. You know, what I mean? it's just, it's just been a gar- You know what? It's been a really, really bad year for the AFL media. If you are, personally, I think they've had probably the worst year that I can recall to the extent the last couple of weeks. Probably my bloodbath's died off a bit because I just haven't been consuming. Um, the media like I usually do 
because it's just it's just so fake, made up, and you know, designed for clickbait. It's just bullshit, all of it. And um, I can't watch. I can't watch AFL three hundred and sixty. There's so much stuff that I, I wish I could watch, but I can't because it's just it's just garbage. It's, you waste if you if you're reading a Robertson article, if you are reading a Kane Corns tweet, if you are watching AFL three hundred and sixty, you are wasting your time. Go spend time with your missus, your wife, patch your dog, do anything, but give these dickheads, Mitch Cleary, uh, who's that other one, Um, Tom Morris, any of those guys, Landsberger, don't give them the time. Just don't do it. Just just find something more positive. Just go to the Richmond website, follow the media there if you want to know something about your club, and talk amongst Richmond people. We we generally know more than what the other people are putting out. Well, just pop a replay on of the prelim final and pop our audio over the top of it which you can find on iTunes or Spreaker and have a good laugh along the way well we you mentioned Landsberger we had a really good win um, yes and I'm a bit like you I'm sick of all but see I'm, I choose a different tact I have now gotten to um, a point where I love calling them out right so we had Landsberger already his name is Sam put this article on the Herald Sun called it a review of the game right and it wasn't a review of the game um, it was an opinion piece and it was basically a pro Geelong um, piece and a lot of it had a lot of non-facts related so I tweeted it out uh, and I said Sam you know this is absolute garbage said, call it what it is this is not a review piece of a balanced review of the game this is your opinion that Geelong's going to win um, and I said you're also factually incorrect you called the Gabba a fortress for the um, for the Cats um, and you've put down that we've only won once there or twice there this year where in reality um, we've had 16 wins, one defeat. Um, so, and Geelong's won there four times out of, if you go far back, you know, it could be at four out of eight or something like that. Anyway, so it's clearly not a fortress. Anyway, he tweeted back to me, there's nowhere in my article did I say it was a fortress. And I said, okay, really? So I copy-pasted the heading of the article. I copy-pasted, you know how it comes up on the website? Yeah. So it actually yeah. basically, it says, Gabba. Uh, Gabba Fortress. How will the Tigers break through the force? So I, I copy-pasted it, put that on there. And then I copy-pasted a text where, again, he calls it a fortress. And Sam being the, the integrity, and I also tagged Robbo into it, right, as being the editor-in-chief. Anyway, I shit you not, within five minutes, he deletes his original tweet. He deletes all tweets because he's trying to argue with me. And then when I proved him wrong, he deleted both of those tweets. Then I noticed... They actually changed the article heading how it appears on the website. Wow, okay. They dropped the fortress word. <laughs> so they haven't changed the actual content, but the actual, you know, when you see the yeah, heading, yeah. you click on, was changed. That's so great. that was a bit of a win. I reckon that's a bit of a win. Right? That's, a bit, that's a win. Absolutely. That's people power. That's yeah. people power. So, um, you know, t- I love taking them to task. Like, I know the sycophants, you know, Rob shown his colours. He would never get back any trust from me. And I cancelled my Herald Sun subscription. So that's my way of saying, well, you know, I'm not going to put up with this shit any longer. Um, my Foxtel, because of all the hate, I cancelled my Foxtel, though – I doubt not. Not cancels probably not being hundred percent truthful. I downgraded it so I can only I can watch it on the computer. I don't have to worry about watching it on the box. Um, and um, and that's my way of making a stand. And the other way is now I've got you guys. I never did Twitter before, you blokes. Uh, you guys got me involved in Twitter, really. So now I use that as a vehicle. If I um if I see bullshit, just tweet it out. Um, oh, and yeah. Yeah. 
Oh, have fun but, with it. Call but, it but, out. But, 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 but I guess to ultimately answer your question about this, I'm this year I'm very happy that Richmond is wearing the black hat. I'm happy for us to be the villain in this pantomime piece, and I hope we send Ablett off on someone's shoulders in tears, but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Oh, you know what's good on that funny stat? 19, what was it, 1985 was when Lee Matthews retired. I think Hawthorne was playing a grand final with Lee Matthews, and they got pummeled, right? So what was I was wrapped about hearing the Cameron announcement, so that's going to throw the Geelong players off a bit. Then you've got, you know, they've got retirements to worry about. Um, you know, we've got to win for these people. And so if we can get in front and, and um, you know, really put the hammer down, once they can, oh, we can't believe, they're going to very quickly lose hope and, you know, we might belt them. Who knows? But, um, yeah, no, the Owens are pointing to a Tiger win, I reckon. Fingers crossed. Well, but before we get have a look at the game itself, we'll do the listeners' questions. We've kind of done it in reverse a little bit. Now, keep in mind, folks, some of these questions are probably game-related, so we'll kind of all roll into a, a preview of sorts, but we'll go through them quickly. So the first one, uh, I'll give it to you, CB, from Jonathan Lawson on Twitter. Will the guys who normally collapse under pressure for the Cats but played well in the second half against Brisbane keep that second-half form or revert to normal? Well, the reality is Geelong's had two soft kills. Uh, um, bravo. The, the Pies... The Pies offered nothing, and Brisbane, that was that was such a disappointing prelim. Like, I was excited to watch that game, and I tell you what, I could have turned it off at halftime. They were woeful. So it's funny, uh, in my opinion, Geelong are a real big downhill skiing team. When they get their tails up, they're really, really hard to beat and really hard to stop. But I tell you what, when you stand up to them, like they, they flat-track bully teams. So when you stand up to them, they're not used to taking punches back. They don't take them really, really well. So I think um, when you look at how our midfield are going about it and we're beating we, – we, we're not just beating, we're starting to really tear midfielders apart. Um, I, I wonder how Geelong are going to take our punches. Now, the interesting question is, and we'll go into the analysis, the, the conundrum, believe it or not, that Geelong face is what do they do with Patrick Dangerfield? So – their move of the final so far is to make him a dusty, send him forward, right? And that's cool. We've got Dylan Grimes to deal with him. But the whole problem is, what are they going to do when Guthrie, Selwood, um, who's the other bloke? Men, men, Menengola yeah. or Menagola, the one that shoots him. Um, those guys, what are they going to do when those guys get belted in the middle and they're not getting the drive that they need to supply Dangerfield? They're going to have to put him back in the middle, which leaves their forward structures that's been working for at the moment. It's going to alter what they do. So, um, look, honestly, I think if we turn up the heat and, and, and bring our game, they are seriously going to struggle. Um, in the Tiger 71 household, we call Managola um, Gully Gully. <laughs> oh. <laughs> do you know, this is a fun fact for Supercoach people out there, he was the highest, well, the most expensive Supercoach Ford a couple of years ago, Managola. Get your head around yeah. that. Anyway, uh, next one we'll give for you, Tiggs, from PT Ego on Twitter. Will Maui by the Sea be saltier than the Dead Sea come 10.30 Saturday night? Oh, I would hazard to say yes. <laughs> really can't go for, you really can't do much with that yeah, one. Yep, so yes, mate, that's yes. probably the short answer. Uh, for you, CB, because it ties in, I mean, you brought this uh, segment to the show from the tail. With the first bloodbath this year, the topic was Vic Bias, or hashtag Vic Bias, and with it being such a roaring success, would each of you like to take the opportunity to give it the send-off it deserves? I'll just let you have it, CB, because it's your baby. 
<laughs> nah, nah, look, you know what? I'm going to be classy about this, and I'm just going to say, Chris Scott, you're a flog, get stuffed. And Moe by the sea, I hope Tiggs drives there once the 20-kilometre exclusion zone gets taken off, and he takes a big crap dump on your crap ground. Was <laughs> I meant to do really, that? Really well summarised there. <laughs> to get uh, the next one's from Trogan Tiger. It's not so much a question, but a comment. Um, but how excited were the emergencies and coaching staff at the final siren in the rooms post-game? It was great to see. I was hoping Marbs wouldn't hurt anyone while celebrating. The man was big Kev excited. Good to see. And I think that's a really good observation because it's not manufactured. It's genuine excitement, genuine love for the, the team as a whole. And I think that's really great to see, Tiggs. Yeah, no, I agree there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting one. for a footy-related question. Hopefully you'll throw my way. All right, all right. Uh, what's this next one? Let him take the next one. Let him take the next one. You, you want the next one? Okay. <laughs> So, let, 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 let Tiggs take RJ. Oh, Tiggs take RJ? All right. Yeah. So this one's for you, Tiggs. From RJ on Twitter. What are our chances, according to you boys? How hungry are the Cats, especially their veterans, like Dangerfield, Hawkins, Ablett, Tui, Taylor and Selwood? Shitload of experience, the main reason I preferred us to play the Lions. Yeah, it's a good question, RJ. And it's actually a double-edged sword, yet they are hungry. Um, you know, why wouldn't you be? You've got Danger, and, and um, who has never won a flag, and this is his first grand final. Um, you've got Hawkins. Ab, Ab, um, Ablett's got experience, and Selwood has experience. But to my knowledge, Selwood's only played in one grand final. That's right. That's a 2000. Or did he play 2000? And, did he play? When did Selwood first start playing? Was that 2000? He's probably had two grand finals. No, he's a three-time Premiership player. Is he three times? Yep. Yeah, okay. So uh, they're going to be hungry for it, but what, um, in relation, you mentioned the experience, outside of Selwood and the ones that came up with the Ablets and Scarlets and all the like, for actual true grand final experience, they don't have much. Um, and what I mean by that, recent grand final experience, because they've always made a preliminary final and failed. So they're going to be hungry, but... I'd replace that word hungry with desperate. And that's where I think it's actually going to work into our advantage. If we can contain them, get get on top of them, there's going to be a point in the game where their desperation is going to really quickly evolve into loss of hope. Um, And to some of them might be contentment because they've got one monkey off the back. So they're not too straight. They're going to be disappointed, but they're not going to be – they're not going to – they're not going to um, – it's not like they're plugging another preliminary final and they're going to cop a lot of heat for it. So I actually – I actually that's why I actually was preferring to play the um, play the Cats because our game plan is proven to match theirs and not just only match, sorry, beat theirs. Um, and if you look back from their losses, all teams that have beaten them is teams that have forced them to make quick decisions um, under extreme pressure and not have that time and space because that's when they'll cut you up. So – um, so chances, um, I'm tipping us to win this game. Um, I'm 100% confident we'll win. Um, I'm, I'm like um, some of the CBs a little bit nervous, I think, and, and a few other my mates were nervous, you know, because your phone rings, and I've had a whole heap of texts today. Um, I've been reassuring them all, don't stress, because at the end of the day, they've got good players. Um, so do we. Um, what's great, though, in the midfield, they've got Selwood, which is one of their main drivers. He's, he's playing with one hand, um, essentially. He's got two, that two busted up fingers. Um, we've got all of our midfield. We've got no injury. We've got no um, question marks on any player. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll beat up on them. My thing is with us, and why I usually feel calm about most games, home and away finals, whatever, 
is I'm now at the point where I know that for a team to beat us, they have to play their absolute best. And if they do that, they deserve to win. It's not going to be some bullshit fluke um, kind of thing. And if a team plays to their absolute best and they win, then fair play to them and good on them. And if that's what Strong's going to have to do. And if they do that, I'll be, I'll be pissed off we don't win, but I'll be happy to know that it's taken an almighty effort to do it. So... No, I like our chances too, but we'll touch on that a bit later. Uh, next one for UCB from Japania off Twitter. Does Grind Myers have the most punchable head in the AFL? You set me up, you son of a bitch, Japana. You set me up. <laughs> of course he's got the most punchable head in the AFL. He's a white guy with pasty white skin and dreadlocks, for Christ's sakes. The only guy who looks worse than him was that ranger flog who played for the Hawks, Josh Thurgood, when he used to run around with dreadlocks. He looked like he hadn't hit a weight room for like 15 years. Yeah, like... Oh, if I played, like, he'd be the first guy I want to punch if I was still playing footy. I would so go out of my way to hit him. I'd, I'd enjoy it too. I'd, I'd just, I hope, I hope, I've got this vision. Just just people, listen. He's, he's going for a ball. He's hunched over a ball on a wing. It kind of looks like a Dylan Shield kind of moment. And I hope Trent Cotchin just knocks him the fuck out. That's what I hope. And then it's like, it's so bad, it's worth about six weeks. And then I hope Trent Koch, when he wins his third medal, says, oh, I'm retiring. And, and to those, wow. and, and I swear, to those um, uh, Geelong supporters about to pipe in and tweet us, oh, but you've had Ben Nason. Yeah, we had Ben Nason, but he looked like a little boy. So that's the difference. You can wear you can wear dreadlocks and be white if you look like a 15-year-old. He looked right? like he was in the Matrix movie. Yeah, he did. He was great. No, he was fantastic. All right, next one for I can you. Still remember, I can still remember the picture. There's a picture of uh, uh, Benny Nason on a wing, and he's sliding for a ball, and Sam Mitchell was right on him, his arm around him, and Sam Mitchell gave him the best hair pull you'll ever see. Like, got underneath and gave it a real decent tug. He was dirty, Sam Mitchell. Good player, though. Uh, next one for you, Tiggs, from Suffering Suckatash. Oh, yes. Suffering Suckatash. Suffering Suckatash. If we win the flag, will you be driving down to Geelong post-lockdown on a stomach full of stewed prunes and again paint the town brown? Oh, good call. I'd even go far to say great call, but then I'd have to tell you it's only half a call. Because for that to happen, that's definitely going to happen. And if anyone wants to come with me and YouTube it, um, <laughs> you know, don't, and, and for the joy of doing that, you just donate um, whatever you feel to the, the best charity, um, more than happy to take you along. Because it won't just be stewed prunes it'll be with down washed down with creamy soda and two kebabs one a chicken kebab with garlic garlic sauce and chili sauce and the other one a lamb kebab with full-blown chili sauce tabbouleh hummus and whatever (laughs) i can get to get it all going through and as i ferment that for the 45 minute drive to geelong (laughs) you might not um, make it that far no 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 because i'll wear a sphincter i love richmond that much i'll even put a sphincter in there just to make sure nothing comes out. Um, and I'll be just sculling VBs as we're driving along. So, um, yeah, no, it's um, definitely what happened. It's on the card. Very good. Yeah. Uh, for CB from Tin Yen, will the crowd break 5,000? Will they manage to find enough neutral supporters to fill the seats? Rightio. So, a uh, good friend of mine, Wang, formerly Wang's parking lot, he got his ticket today and he's going with his daughter and a few others. And I asked him about the allocation... So apparently Richmond get 7,000 tickets, Geelong are getting 7,000 tickets, and I think, was it eight or 12,000 for, uh, I guess, uh, AFL members, etc. 
Now, the ground holds 30,000 for capacity, touch over. Um, Richmond's got a pretty decent supporter base. We do up there. Yeah, it's big. I, I would suspect, so that's 7,000 members. I would suspect, so the rest will go into general public, general sale. They'll sell it out. What I'm really curious is, is how many Richmond supporters are going to try and get over the border, <laughs> and I'm serious, <laughs> from New South Wales into uh, Queensland to try and snap up those, you know, those last couple of thousand tickets. I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be the stitch up and there's going to be a hell of a lot more yellow and black than um, Geelong supporters there. I'm just, I'm feeling it. That's what I'm feeling. So I think they'll, they'll feel it. And I think that there'll be more Richmond than Geelong in and that ground. Well done to the Tigers over there who have got tickets and all the best teams yeah. in there. So is, yeah, Barry Cloud for us, guys. Absolutely. Barry Cloud for us. Now, this next question is for... We'll get an answer from all three of us. It's a really, really good question from Andrew Mock off Twitter. If you guys could pick someone to present the cup, should we win? Who would you choose, assuming no COVID restrictions? So Andrew said he would pick the ghost of Jim Jess. And it got me thinking, it's a really, really good question. So Tiggs, if you had to pick someone to present the cup, assuming there was no restrictions, who would you pick? Can I have a second to think about it? You guys go on, and I just just really want to make sure I get get it on the money if I can. Okay, CB. Uh, the guy who should have probably presented our first cup, Kevin Bartlett, our greatest ever player. Okay. I, I, I thought about it a bit today, and I went with the flea, um, not only for what he did for us as a player, but what his work around the club when he's, after he finished playing was exceptional too. And just the way the whole him getting made redundant kind of thing happened, I, I just thought it'd be a nice touch for him to be able to do that, given the service he's given to the club. Mm. Tiggs? Yeah, it's a tough one because there's so many good nominations, you could say. Richo's been done. Um, you know what? For me to – obviously, it's a COVID year, so weird shit you can, you can pull up. Um, I, and it's a unique year, so why not do a unique person presenting the Cup? I would choose Matthew Knights. He was a captain. Um, for, <laughs> He's July. Hold on. Yeah, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. CB, you always jump on me, man. You always jump on me, right? But let me think. It's COVID. I was trying to, you know, avoid. It's a COVID year, right? So um, he doesn't have to worry about quarantine. You know, weird shit happens. Put a Richmond polo on him, obviously. But he, he, I love Matthew Knights. I wore his number on my back growing up. Right, and with Richo. Richo and Matthew Knights were my two favourite players of all time. Um, you know, and Matty Knights, um, oh, you know, only if he was playing for us now, you know, in his prime, he would would have thrived on the hard week. But he did a lot for our club. Um, he would he would represent all the players past to me. Um, and I would, and I reckon it would be a good recognition of our um, of him. Um, and you know, because we're going to have, yeah, I would, I'd give it to him. That would be the greatest thing ever. Because it'd get right in their heads too, <laughs> Geelong, right? Can you imagine? Maddie, and what an awkward conversation too when he has to cheer. <laughs> as he gives, so when they're lined up, you know, when we're winning and, and, and um, they present the cup after all the players have been nominated, right? So he's standing in the group of Geelong people, and then, you know, I could just picture, you know, uh, Brendan Gale running across. Yeah, no idea. Yeah, here's Apollo. Put that on. Come on, up you go. <laughs> that would just be what a theatre. Theatre. 
for me. That'd be awesome. You know, I want to, can I change my answer to Brad Ottens? And as he gets to the top of the stage, he rings a bell. <laughs> yeah, but see, I'm not taking the piss. I'm not taking the piss. I actually think Knights, in some fashion, should be recognised by the club, right? I think because he moved to an opposition club really quickly. And look, the other one is Newman too, but he's just too recent. Um, you know, I would just love Knights to let him know that he's loved. Fair you know enough. what I mean? So... Tim, Tim, Fleming, Tim Fleming's going to get a mention next from you, or maybe Blumfield or. But he's not in the same. His slop? Are you comparing? Are you comparing Matthew Knights to Tim Fleming? His slop, and you know, just, are you definitely doing that? Are you doing that right, for our listeners, CB? Do you compare? What are you going to do? Start slagging off Broderick? Are you going to give Nash a smack? What are you going to do? Start t- talking bad words about um, Daffy? <laughs> now, that generation there for me, that generation there for me, I can't only speak for myself, but that generation <laughs> for me is what saved our club. We found a source body. We must refer back to this at some other stage on another show. <laughs> it's obviously, you know. But, like, I could have said Tony Free. I could have said that, right? Just to make it, you know, without getting all the hate. But seriously, that, what, my, what my succinct short point, if I can get there, is I really think this, this needs to celebrate that team, the 95 team, the, you know, 93, 94, 95, through to the 2000s, that team kept us members still going to the footy when it was just after shaking our cans and all that sort of stuff, rattling the cats. So that team, to me, will always, even though it wasn't successful, will always have a huge part for me in the Richmond story that I'm a part yeah, of, right? Fair enough. And I reckon it should be acknowledged. And Richo, given the cup, was more about an individual thing. I reckon someone like Matthew Knights, who captained that side, would be more of a holistic um, view. That's just my take. But, you know, mock it if you like. I just, you know, come out with what I feel. Stephen Jurica, Premiership player, 97 yeah, reserves. That's, I'm hanging up. I'm <laughs> All right, the, uh, the last question I'll give to you, Stephen, from Stephen M. Are you guys already sick of the Dangerfield and Ablett Media Love Fest going on for the lead-up to this grand final? No, because of my previous answer. I'm actually steering clear of the media because I don't want to read or hear about the little master. Or Dangerfield. Or, I'm happy yeah. for it. Nah, you know, I, I, I can't love do it. it. Takes, nah, it, I love it. takes the attention off us. I would go for it. It does. Yeah, that's why I love yeah. it. And you know what? The more they go on, the more their players hear about it, and the more the players realise, yeah, shit, it's important that we have to win this. It might even be a 0.01% because the people say, oh, it's a grand final anyway. But for them to have that added pressure, um, you know, for me, is a good thing. All right, let's get stuck into the grand final. Big game coming up Saturday night. Weird being a night game, but uh, I think... Should be good. We've, we, just a fun fact, we haven't used a red Sharon all year. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, Cats coming off a 40-point win over the Lions in a fairly bruise-free encounter. Prior to that, the 68-point win over the Pies, and you kind of touched on all this, CB. Does it have a big effect physically going into a grand final, having two fairly soft encounters versus the physical game that we had against Port? Uh, yes and no. I mean, t- t- teams and players are very professional now. They know... They know what they've got to do, um, but they, they were training drills. I mean, I, I put it to you, would you prefer a bruise-free encounter or would you prefer a game where you had to steal up a bit and really have the system tested in a most extreme circumstance? Yeah, I think you want the second option every day. Yeah, you want it, yeah, the second option. Yeah, because see, the thing is, I hear what you're saying, CB, but why I'm loving the fact that they've had two bruise-free encounters is 
It's going to take them however long it is to click up to that level of adjustment, right? Regardless of how veteran you are, all clubs can get susceptible to this. If if we really apply the heat at, you know, we're talking pressure gauge 250 on over, you know, really grand final less, can we do it consistently in grand finals? After coming through two soft kills, it's going to take them a moment to adjust. For us, though, we've had that level of heat basically throughout the finals. So we can just, it, for us, it's just another game. So I think... Our base start off points a lot higher in relation to what we can, um, what we can take straight off as soon as the balls bounce. So for them to get to our level and then um, go above our level, it's going to take some doing. Well, we can just hit, you know, just absorb what they've got and they just bounce up. So yeah, harder games always in finals always. Interesting point you made there because yeah, if there is a five ten minute period of, a, of shock, let's call it, of them adjusting to the heat of the game. That's our prime opportunity to hopefully capitalise with, you know, three or four quick goals and, and really put the pressure on. And it won't just be all I'm not saying it's all the players, though. Sorry, Seb, I'm not saying it's all players that have to adjust. Like, there's going to be some, like Seb, you said, their experience, got to, some of them will click into gear straight away, right? But a percentage of them won't. Um, and CB had a good point when we are talking um, uh, later, earlier today, about our six, bottom six being better than their bottom six. So... If we can get, if we can get, if our, if all of our kids, um, all of our players are on the same page from the first bounce, we've got no lag time. They might have, and that is where we can actually take our edge. Because if we can get that little burst, it's really going to get onto theirs. Oh shit, we can't lose this mentality. Um, you know, we've got more than just a grand final on the line. We've got Ablett's retirement and Taylor's retirement. Um, yeah, it could help us. And do you think the other thing, the flip side is? Did playing in a wet, heavy game has that taken? Any, do you reckon that'll take anything out of us? Oh no, um, I don't think so at all. A couple of reasons why: um, it's shorter quarters. I think is going to work for us this time. So it's shorter yeah. quarters. So they've really done basically three quarters of heavy, heavy running. Um, we've, we're we're not travelling to the ground, so it's not going to fly into the ground. Um, with you know, we've got. Good recovery. We've got a pool right next to us. We can recover. We don't have to. Yeah. So they and they. What's the only good thing about the hub for a grand final is you know if you're a player you'd have to go to the beach to you know they do the beach session and they go to the club and then they go home and then they drive to the club. There's no driving. It's recovery, preparation, downtime. No driving. You know what I mean. So I reckon we'll go in there as refreshed as Geelong. And and the fact as well that the players know mentally that it's four quarters left for the year. So. No matter how sore you are, they'll no doubt just still go hammer and tong for the remaining minutes Rick, left. I've got a question for you boys. Because mm-hmm. I think we were the only sort of team that did this, right? Remember at the start of the year when everyone was going on about form, and I mentioned we were doing heavy training loads to uh, make up for the fact that, we, one, we couldn't have a pre-season fully together, but also to um, get our fitness base to the levels as if we were playing 20-minute quarters. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Do you reckon now is when it holds us in good stead. Yes. Because I noticed yesterday, and again, St Kilda, we don't tire. No, we can sustain our running efforts for a long time. If you watch such a long game, we don't slow down. I mean, not just a long game, the um, the Port game, in the wet, Port players were noticeably slowing down. We weren't. Yeah, no, no, we... we, um... I think it was a very consistent four-quarter effort running-wise. Yeah. Our guys were still Pickett, Rioli, George, all those guys were still covering the ground. 
Yeah, and and that's what they hundred percent weren't doing in that early early part of the that's year. Right. It stood out like dogs balls, didn't it? Yep. Uh, the Geelong midfield had a has had a bit of a change up when we you kind of touched on this earlier as well, but the midfield mix they're now looking like doing the the Duncan Menegola Selwood and Parfit spending more time in there and using Dangerfield as a forward. CB, if you're the midfield coach for us, how do you address that? Or if you're the well, or if you're the back well, coach, again we, the we don't we don't tag. I mean I mean Parfit actually been their big improver in the midfield. He's actually had a couple of good games, but again, what's he been up against? It's questionable. Um, but I just think it's, it's, it's we are a system-based team. We will back our structures in. I think the one thing that we've got an advantage is Geelong have got two serviceable average ruckmen. Would we agree on that? Yeah. Yeah. So I think I think Nankervis has rucked against the best ruckman in the last two weeks. You know, you, you think of the uh, Big O and um, Steph West. Yeah. And, Marshall's Mar- no, and Marshall's no slouch either. Marshall yeah, from St Kilda's days, yeah. And Marshall's a great ruckman. And like it's a good ruckman as yeah, well. Yeah, a gun, and their backup was good too. So, yeah. so, so I think so. So all of a sudden, the the the, the ruck contest evens out a little bit more, which means Asprey can again play a little bit, you know, come into the game a little bit more when he goes in and gives Nick a chop out. But I just think it's it's our guys versus their guys, and we've got a no offense to Geelong, but we've got a better, younger midfield. And stronger. And, and the thing is, it's a risk for them. Like Duncan and Duncan and Mangola, Menegola, or Goonie Google, um, I can't pronounce his name, Gooly Gooly, my son calls him, because um, he can't pronounce it. But those two players in particular haven't been haven't been in the inter-centre square mix for as long as our boys have. So if they want to um, – and Parfit's another one. So – Cam Guthrie goes through there a bit as well. Yeah, Cam Guthrie does. Yeah, the homeless dude, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> can, I, can I just say, he must be a very cheap signing. The guy lives in a cardboard bu- box under That's... a bridge, right? <laughs> <laughs> what are they, what are they, they give him a meal voucher and a bloody warm they blanket every night. They let him sleep in GMHBH, whatever they call that ground. That's where he sleeps. So, um, but, no, but back on point, what the beauty of us is, is our centre mix is set in stone, right? We know we're going to have Prestia, Cotchin, Graham, and Martin at the at the drop of the four um, at the bounce, and we don't have Martin. We've got Ed, and we've also got Edwards. Um, we've got Shy. We've got you know we run really deep in there um, without losing anything. If they don't have danger building danger field in the centre of the ground, and they're going to rely on Selwell to do the grunt work, you can't rely on Menegola. You can't rely on Duncan. You can't rely on Parfit um, to a lesser extent to do all the grunt work. And um, the homeless dude, um, he'll try, but he's just average, let's be honest, right? So they, they, I can't see them conceding first possession because that's a strength of theirs. So, um, yeah, if they if they line up as um, they did against Brisbane, we'll smack them out of the park. They won't get the ball. Ooh. And, yeah, they've got to play danger, for, um, danger in the midfield and then try to do a dusty and floating forward. But that's my hope because that's not natural for them to do that. They're not as in sync with it as we are, right? So... When they do that handover, it doesn't work as naturally for them as for us. So um, it means it might be trying to change their game style. And if they do, that's a huge win just before the ball's even bounced. Um, but yeah, no, nah, I can't see I can't see Dangerfield not starting in the square. It'd be it'd be foolish. Yeah, agreed. And there's two there's two things that Richmond have that Geelong don't have, and I see it in their midfield, and I see it across the ground. I don't see speed. 
and I don't see creativity. That's what I don't see. I look at our forward line with the dynamics of having a Rioli, Bolton, even George's chaos. It's speed and it's, and, and Lambert. Lambert's not quick, but he's a running man. But they're creative players. They're quick, speed. You know, you look at our back line now with Hooley, Vlosten, Baker, Bolter, speed, creativity. You know, the midfield, the hands of Edwards. You know, absolute superstar, absolute freak. The the class and the bull, you know, the bull of uh, Martin. I just, I think through the lines, that's the one thing. We've got a bit of X factor about us. or We've got more X factor about us than what they've got. Would you agree? Just on that, a mate of mine who reviewed the game with me um, today, one thing that they might try, the one person that has X-Face factor in their team and for short bursts can actually do something that, you know, with a bit of speed that will hurt you is Ablett, right? If he's given the time and space. We saw what he did to Brisbane and, and to Collingwood because he had that time and space. He had no pressure on him. With the Dangerfield combo in the centre or not, one way they could try to pull this off if they're creative is just put Ablett in spurts in the midfield, replaces basically Danger. So when Ablett starts to centre bounce, Danger's full-time forward, and then they both of those two boys rotate um, to create that, you know, um, keep that, you know, a bit of magic, a bit of, you know, explosiveness. Because one thing with Ablett, he's an absolute legend, right? And his ability to burst out of a confined space is still elite. Um, and his awareness of the ground is 360. Um, still now, Right. He's just, he's kicking, though he kicked 55 metres, which bloody surprised me, but his kicking normally has been reduced quite dramatically in relation to the length he can get. But in, within short work, he still just doesn't have the tank. So that's another dynamic that they might try to throw at us is, you know, put Abilene in for short bursts in the centre when that replaces with Dangerfield. But look, I think they have, they don't have, you're right though, they don't have speed on the outside. Like I don't see any player outside of Rowan who plays in the in, in the forward mix that equal our speed of most of our players. I think for us across all lines, we're faster. That's the key for us. It's, they go, oh, we've got this person's fast. Rowan, he's lightning. And we've got this person, he's lightning, um, which is um, Simpson. He, I love that. As a, I love they've picked up a gem in Simpson. I think his name is Sim, Sim, Simmons. What's his name, that Geelong player, Simpson? He's a gem, but... Um, we're fast everywhere. We don't really have a slow player outside of Asprey. But if that, you think talks, about it. that talks to our playing styles, though. Between the two teams, they like to That's chip, right. chip it around, cut their way through with precise passing, and we like to yeah. get it forward any way possible. So, you spot on, CB. It makes complete sense what you said. Yeah. Um, the stat that I found interesting was Geelong rank one in contested possessions in total, and we're third. Now, it's probably not too much of a bridge that we have to close up, but it's something we need to be mindful of, that what they don't have in speed, they make up in grunt. Can I just say that on this point? It shits me to tears. Um, it's not your fault, Michaels. Um, we haven't had our midfield in since round six, right? So that's why I laugh when I see David King and all these other experts. They don't factor that in. So, of course, we're ranked third for contested possessions, but that's without having the midfield in. Yeah, what's the, what's the final the series look like? What, what yeah, do the rankings look like? In the that's right. Put our, put our, I seriously believe this, and I, and I hope people will agree with me when they hear this. I don't think it's because I've got Richmond glasses on, right? Because I'm going off my, looking at the finals. If we seriously had all 17 games with our full midfield in, we'd be clear one by an absolute country mile, right? So um, we, I believe we're superior to, um, to the cats in contested possession, we're superior to the cats in in first regaining first possession, but 
if I can, just real quick, you know, when you talk about creativeness, they, if we allow them space, they're very creative by foot. We just can't allow them to be creative by foot. I noticed the only yeah. thing that really worried me about them on against the Lions, which I haven't seen them do consistently yet, they changed the, the lanes by foot really well. You know, change the angles of the game. Um, they did that lightning quick. Um, yeah, so, and they also their numbers through the midfield. They 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 force the lines to go wide too. That's which right. They want to go, but having said that, Richmond's a team that's very happy to go down the line. So and, we're and not. We phased. won't allow the midfield. We won't allow the midfield. That's it. If they want to just try to fight us on that, it'll be a game done in the two lanes in the midfield. Just and it'll be what we want. A heavy contested. Let's knock it on, push it on, because it will be ugly as hell. But um, but I don't see them falling into. If they fall into that trap, they're admitting defeat. Um, if they go down that path. Or conceding defeat, I should say, not right, admitting we'll, defeat. Uh, we'll have a look at some matchups as well. CB, Lynch and Rewald versus Harry Taylor and Lockie Henderson, who's come back from the brink of being given the arse last year, but he, here he is. I, well, can, I just... Actually, can I, go, can, I skip, can I skip them? There's a matchup that we have that isn't in there that I think is probably nearly the most pivotal matchup in the match, and it's not in the matchups. Yeah, go for it. Camden McIntosh on Blixarves. Yeah, that will call. be okay. Good call. That will be a super, super um, critical matchup on that wing because Blitzarv's obviously a high-powered runner, magnificent athlete, and a very good footballer. And like I said, it's not unusual for him to be in the back line, and he's pushing hard to the forward line. So Macca that... is, is the only bloke who's got the tank and the size to run with him. You think they wouldn't want because they normally put Man- uh, Mangola on a wing, don't they? Well, he's on the other wing. Yeah. Don't you think, because I know when Lynch, when we played them last, Macca did a lot of time with Man- Managola, right? The only thing, you're right, Blissars with, they might go that route. But I'm sort of thinking they might realise that, look, we can't, our wingers can't contain, our wingers, we use our wingers as basically extra defenders, um, defensive midfielders. Um, they just hold their width. Um so do you reckon the coach might go, okay, Des Blitz, um, he's going to be mined by who anyone, wherever he is on the ground, whoever's in his space contests him. Uh, he's not going to really be given a man. It's going to be more of a team defence than just having Macca lock him down or run with him. Because Blitzlaus doesn't stay on the wing lane. He loved, he roams everywhere. He, yeah, he will that's literally... what I'm saying. Macca's got, whoever's got him, it's going to be a hell of an ask because he's yeah. going to be, he, he's the one guy. We've got to really stop. Can I throw a curveball at you guys? That's not on there. That I've given a lot to – my mate brought it up, and I thought, yeah, it has merit, but it's a risk. Now with Pickett, I love Pickett. He plays our other ring, right? I reckon we'll go Macca on Managola, um, and Macca will beat him. He's beat him every time he's played on him. But with our other wing, we go, okay, we've got uh, the Geelong tall freak. He's going to be running everywhere. All right, so let's work on our strengths, and it's probably team defence. Now, we, we, we're strong when we get a link up on the wing, right? So when we hit like Caddy used to do it and all that sort of stuff. So Pickett, for me, after half time, he shows why we pick him, right? So I want to really make that clear. I'm not hating on Pickett here. But Pickett has shown me it's not a trend now. It's it, Well, it is a trend. I thought it once off, but then it's every game. He seems to take a quarter to two quarters to click into gear. So in those first two quarters, he'll do some things all right based on just playing the game, but then some complete howlers, right? Because he hasn't clicked into the speed of the game. I don't know what it is. And it's no knock on him because he hasn't had a preseason, a proper preseason. So next year, he'll be, he probably won't have him in this, in this his game. He'll be a lot better player. I would 
I know Caddy hasn't played since round seven. I know this, right? So before you jump down on me, I know this, right? But Caddy is a dependable commodity. His fitness won't be an issue. I seriously believe that. He's strong airily, right? So if he happens to... I remember with a couple of games against Geelong, he did that um, beautiful intercept mark really well. Like the pack will form, so Picarvis or whatever his name is, he's going for the mark. He will just glide over the glide along across the mark because he reads the ball so well. So maybe getting Caddy in and replace a picket. Well, okay, so so let's do it. Okay, Michaels, who's your ins and outs for this week? I would go unchanged. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay, Tiggs. You tell me first. Let me think about it because this is an idea. Don't, that, no, um, bullshit. Don't you dare do this. You go. No, you go. No. Well, fuck it. You just jump. You've just strained into who's in and out. Like, straight, <laughs> mate. Yeah, let's do in and out yet. We haven't done the matchups and stuff yet. That could well, be right. right. All right. Okay. All right, Pendekor. We'll, we'll play the game. We'll play the game. Yeah, you know what they say? You ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? Have you heard? Where have you heard that from? That movie. Yeah, that's Batman. it. That's why I love you, man. Because, you know, only someone I would like would know that. All right. I would make a change. I seriously worry about Pickett's slow uptake of the games, particularly in finals. Um, I know he had a great grand final, yada, 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 but he was an unknown quantity. Teams know him now. Geelong will put work into him. I'm under no illusions that Geelong would be going, oh, we know what, this is Pickett's trend, let's exploit it. And the other big reason why I'll get Caddy in, other than for what I think functionally he'll do around the ground, if you look at Caddy's games against Geelong, he's always had great games. And the one reason why he always has great games against Geelong, now, he gets under their skin. He really bothers them. Um, it's obviously because of the history he's got with them. He knows the players. He obviously knows their trigger points. But the biggest amazing thing, how often have you watched a Geelong game and you're seeing Caddy alone? Boys? I don't know. Have you paid attention to it? I have not. <laughs> Heaps of times. He's left alone. He generally marched on his own or no one's picking him up. It's because he knows who, if, if, if it's a player he's trained with for three, four years, five years, he knows their movements, he knows generally their patterns, and he exploits it because he's a smart, bloody footballer with a high IQ. I would put Caddy in and replace a picket. Right, yeah. So I'm the deciding vote, yeah? No, oh, no, okay, yeah. It's yeah. your team, it's my team. This is what I would do. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah, you yeah. Tell sure. No change? Okay. I am setting Change. up a Derek Kickett scenario. Kick it out, caddy in. Fuck it, mate. You know what? You and I are going to get naked after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you agree with me then? I think I think that's why I had in my head the matchups of Camden McIntosh on Blixarf because I think caddy will be a very good matchup for Menen Gola. Just a shit. Gully gully. Yeah, I'm with you, but I'd flip them over. I'd put gully gully. I'd put gully gully on Macca. <laughs> Because we'll get a win there, um, and we'll put Caddy on, and more of the team defence. But Caddy anchors his positions. He always stays wide. But that's he stays out because he's a beautiful kick to advantage, and he's nice with his hands. And, um, and, and it's not a. And my logic is it's not a slide on picket. It's just he oh. hasn't had the best couple of games, and we know Caddy's a known quantity, and Caddy also hits the scoreboard. And see, with picket though, this is the thing I really want to make clear again. I'm, I'm repeating myself because I know a cop abuse for this. I'm not saying he's had actually a good preliminary final game. He had a good one. His last quarter and a half was great. But it's the first two quarters. They're they're abysmal. And it's the same thing against St Kilda. They're abysmal. His first quarter and a half was abysmal. Just go rewatch it. Um, 
But then he clicked in a gear and was one of our best, putting pressure on and da 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 that beautiful, you know, one arm clothesline to Marshall and that's great. But it takes too long. And I think in a grand final where the heat's gonna be on from second one to the end of the quarter, we can get exploited. Um and it will throw um Geelong out. It will throw them out if we pick in caddy. Uh, um so yeah, that's what I will do it. Okay. But let's right. talk about the matchups. Let's finish off with uh, the matchups. Yeah, yeah. The only other matchup I want to touch on is Bolter and Hawkins. He gets another crack at Hawkins. I'm looking forward to this one, CB. Absolutely. And and Bolter has to take Hawkins because he's got the strength to go with yeah. him. But also Asprey has to take the resting Ruckman. Yeah, spot on. So so that's why that matchup has to occur. Um, and I've got to say that the one thing I was when I was watching Hawkins ruck in the forward line. He's really good. How, yeah. how strong is Hawkins when he's holding out a Ruckman with one arm and tapping it to advantage? Like Very that's, good. Was... He, he's a beast. But it has to, has to be that way. Bolter's got a, a seriously big uh, job ahead of him. But it's team defence. Nankervis will be dropping back. Like, let's be serious. Nankervis will be trying to drop back in front of um, yeah. Hawkins every chance he gets just to fill the hole and make it as hard as he can to uh, clog up Hawkins Island. Yeah, and the thing I'm worried about, though, about that matchup, not that I'm worried at all that Bolter can't take him, I believe he can, but Hawkins would have learnt that I can't body this kid because it was, I think it was the first time they really played on each other, yeah? They didn't, oh, they played each other in round 17. Did they? Yeah, yeah, Hawkins yeah, played. Yeah, yeah, Hawk, um, yeah, so round 17 they played, and it was the first time they played on each other. So Hawkins would have gone, oh, this kid surprised me. So a lot of that would have been in Bolter's favour, right? Now, Bolter's a known quality, quantity for him. So my worry is, is that Hawkins would know, I can't beat this guy on a strength match. I don't think he can. I can't muscle this guy out. He's too good. I can't play in front of him because he's just going to chest me out of the contest. What I'm going to do is shove him and go in with my knees, um, and that's what I hope the team is aware of that. I hope when he, because I guarantee he's going to go to hurt him. Um, if he does that, the first occasion where he goes in with his knees to the head, which he does, or goes that shove into a pack, that the actual players around that all go to the umpire and go, why is that allowed? And question it every time he does it. So, you know, because look, the media is going to be completely biased, but the commentators will zero in on it. Going, why are the players all reacting to that? And then slow it down. Oh, that's and then the narration will start. That's one thing. If they do that, it's going to, it's, it's. I think he's going to beat him anyway because we've got too many good quality interceptors. You know, with Grimes supporting, Vlosten will be supporting. Baker even will go in the go into the hole. You know what I mean? Um, and he's been brilliant too. Um, the other thing that shits me off about that contest, they were talking, um, the experts, oh, yeah, but, you know, Richmond's got to worry about Rowan. Rowan, worry about Rowan. And they've got to worry about um, some other... Yeah, 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 mate, mate, let them talk their shit. We did, we've covered Let them talk their shit. It doesn't matter. We know, mate, we know we've got the matchups for But him. the good thing is Rowan um, and a couple of other forwards don't have the work rate of our defenders. So let them, let them follow Grimes into that intercept. Right, let them do it. That's perfect for us because that means we just we, we can defend them a lot easier because they're all um, bunched up. But I just want us to be wary. Just watch Hawkins. I reckon he's going to go do some dog acts um, grand final. He's the type of bloke to do it. All right, before we wrap up, um, does anything change at all if it's wet weather football? No. Not for us, it doesn't. No, CB, you don't think so either? Nope. Same, same? Okay, because it's yeah, meant to be a chance of rain, but who knows? But yeah, I... I think it won't make too much difference to how, how we play. We play it pretty well. So 
With that all said and done, fellas, a very thorough look into the, the grand final coming up, which it thoroughly deserves. Uh, what's the final tip and margin for the year? Last one, CB. But can we, can, before your answer, CB, give us a synopsis of how you think the game will play out and then your margin. I think there'll be 18 blokes on the ground. There'll be an air conveyance bouncing around the place and Richmond will emerge victorious by 16 points. Uh, I think I think the heat will be on early from us onto them, and I reckon it could be we might be able to get a jump on them in the first quarter, kind of tying back to what you said before, Tiggs, about maybe they might get a little bit shell shocked with the the pressure being applied. So I reckon Richmond will get up by seventeen points. Oh, you rascal! <laughs> <laughs> Look, I see I see Geelong um, going hammer and tong early. Um, but we being in front in the first quarter by a goal or two. Um, I see them again maintaining that in the second quarter and probably evening up the scores. And then I see in the third quarter and fourth quarter, we run away with a game by 40-odd points. <laughs> oh, baby. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah. it. So you get enough stress, you know, you have your nervous shit at half time because you're nervous, and then we just go, like we did in every grand final. What's great, boys, just to... Because you got me, you got me thinking, CB, when we spoke. So, you know, with the nerves and all that. And I thought, you know, I'm going to look at the 217 and 219 grand finals. Right, that's what I did. In every quarter of every grand final, we got better. Yeah, that's the key. First quarter, we were a certain level. Then second quarter, we were better than the first. So on, on the third, better than the second. So on and so on. And it was that's in 17, and then in um, 19, we were exactly the same. our pressure is so intrinsically natural to how our system is, we don't have to manufacture it. Geelong has to manufacture it because they don't play that way all the time. And the best thing so is that's... the pressure being our game style doesn't get hampered by weather conditions or anything either, whereas a precise kicking game can, and our game naturally counteracts theirs. So it's yeah, it's interesting. I think we've got all the tools to, to be able to pull it off, but uh, looking, yeah. Well, we've got ourselves in a position to win. We know we know that our best is capable, as Dimmer would say. And now it's just down to the, the boys running out in the park. It is. The job done. It's going to be great. Oh, by the way, Netflix. Um, CB mentions Netflix movies you should watch. And this is one synergizes with the game that we're going to have, right? Everyone, go and watch that new... It's on Netflix. It just come out. It's um, Ben Affleck's new movie. Um, I forgot what's, what it is at the top of the head. Make it up. Make... Um, uh, it's yeah, but basically it's a redemption movie. You can't right? throw a suggestion, not know the name of the movie. Oh, just look at Ben Affleck. <laughs> Whatever the Ben Affleck movie is, it, it will be on top ten rated in Australia, right? It's a new one. Whatever it's called. I've been watching right. Sing On, doing a bit of a karaoke at bedtime. It's not a bad show on Netflix. If, if no, you no. got if you if you got KO, go to the thirty the ESPN thirty thirties and watch the one called Catching Tyson. No, but let me finish. No, 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 that's just a serious. Catching Tyson. It's on Evander Holyfield's career. Yeah. And um, how he he basically went through the ranks and took out Tyson. They got interviews with Mike Tyson. uh, Busted. It's it's seriously, it's a great half hour, 40 minutes of your life. It's magnificent. This one's a proper movie. It goes for about an hour and 30 minutes. But what it is, he coaches a basketball team. This is the reason why I mention it, right? And he's a chronic alcoholic, right, because his son passed. That's all I'll say. You just watch the movie. But he trains this – if you were watching this game as a Tiger supporter, this basketball team is a Richmond football club. Everything he took – we're smaller um, than anybody else. 
and he said, and he's basically, it's about pressure, and it's about, and it's based on a true story too. It's about pressure, and he goes, and one of the best lines of that movie is, if you play for us, you play with a chip on your shoulder. Play like you've got a chip on your shoulder. Be in their face. And they're like mini Richmond players. So it's brilliant. Go watch it. It's a Ben Affleck movie. Just fucking put Ben Affleck in the search window <laughs> and it'll come up. All right. And with that, we'll finish it up there, fellas. So thank you so much for all your hard work and effort this year. Uh, no doubt we'll... I know if we win it, we'll do a celebration episode. I've got no doubt. Oh, nice, but, definitely. Um, and you just let me know when you want to do the trade one because yeah, yeah. it's been a goss... No, we'll work Can't it out more. Thick and fast, yeah. We'll chuck it out on the socials as well. So, grand final this Saturday night, 7:30 p.m. Richmond versus Geelong. We've made it to the big dance, and uh, it just comes down to the last four quarters of the year, fellas. And it's been a, a great journey, and I'm sure we're all going to be nervous wrecks come game day, but hopefully the boys come out on top. So, thanks to everyone who's listened as well throughout the year to our live shows, the trade shows, the weekly shows, and all the rest of it. We hope you all enjoy your grand final day. Um, even though we're all going to be stuck at home watching it, we can't really go and do anything. But uh, hopefully the Tigers come out with another another victory. So thank you for your time tonight, fellas. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity this year. It's been a great Yeah, fun. thank you for the opportunity, Michaels. And let's hope when we next speak, guys, we're part of a dynasty club, yeah? Absolutely. That's feeling me. That'd be very good. And until next time, as always, go Tigers. Come on, Tigers. Come on, Tigers.